Dracula. I am Dracula. And I bid you welcome, Mr. Hart, to my heart. Come Our first award goes to the vampire for most blood drained in a single evening. The strength of the vampire is that people will not believe in him. Good evening, my fellow vampire lovers. The sun is going down, and you know what that means. It's time for me to record another episode of my podcast, The Beautiful Dead. As always, I'm your host, Lena Nazari, and you know what? It's not just another episode. It is the season three finale of the podcast. Now, for those of you watching on YouTube, this is only my first year of doing it on YouTube, so I guess it's the first season on YouTube, but it is the third season of the Beautiful Dead podcast, and I still cannot wrap my brain around that. We are wrapping up 2023, and what a wild year it has been. Looking back, I have published my third book. I've gotten on YouTube. I've traveled to some pretty wonderful places and done some pretty amazing cons, met some amazing people, um, started doing my vampire panel at cons, which is so much fun. And I just, I'm so grateful for this whole thing. I have such exciting plans for 2024. So I really, really hope you're going to come back, which it looks like it's going to be January 7th. So I'm not taking much of a break at all. I'm coming back January 7th, starting season four with the episode we all know I like to start the year with, which is what to expect for vampire material in that year. And I'll be sharing all of my plans for 2024. So please, I hope you will come back. If you want more of me, go to lenanazari.com. You can see links to my social media. You can join my fanged family and get updates about the books and places I will be. Or you can take a step up in 2024 and join my street team. These are the people who are out there talking about the podcast, um, you know, I had somebody amazing shout out to Trav who made a shirt that he wore at Monster Mania. Um, there are people who are posting, there are people making artwork, and they get postcards from me and swag and things like that. So join my street team. We're having, it's a good group of people, I'm telling you. And uh, whenever I travel, I like to send them postcards. So if you like to get postcards, join my street team. Speaking of social media, If you haven't been following me on social media, you've really missed out because I just got back from Nashville. I did Creation Con in Nashville. And not only did we have a lot of fun, but there was a tornado. There was tornadoes. So we had to be down in the parking garage. So I was posting from that. So check out my TikTok or my Instagram if you want to see everything that happened. And there's... um, I had a Nosferatu bust that went with me to all of my appearances, I think since I started this in 2021. And um, somebody fell in love with Nosferatu and I just felt like it was a match. 
it was a match made in heaven and I really wanted to redo my whole design for 2024 anyways. So when I saw the love that was happening between the two of them, I said, you know what? I want you to take Nosferatu, take him home. So he's now in a loving home. So if you want to see who got Nosferatu, and I'm going to guess that you probably would not be able to guess, go check out my Instagram. Um, I'm already distracted. I have to look at my notes because I'm so excited that I forgot what all I was supposed to talk about. Oh, my next appearance is uh, Fan Expo New Orleans. That will be January 5th through the 7th. Um, it's not too late to make plans to come down to New Orleans. I'll be doing my vampire panel on Saturday afternoon. My favorite city in the whole world. I'll be hanging out with some amazing friends. So that will be fun. Uh, if you can't join, then you definitely need to be following me on social media to see everything I'm up to. Then I will be taking a break. Unless some some like sweet opportunity comes in front of me that I have to say yes to, I am taking a, a planned break until May to write the fourth book. So stay tuned for information on all of that. Once the book is done and it's in the hands of the publishers, then I will be picking back up with traveling. Uh, but it definitely needs to be done by the end of April in order to get it out for May for you guys. Really, it needs to be done by March. So I plan on my first travel being Fan Expo Philly in May, but you really need to follow me uh, to find out when the next one will be. My vampire tea, can't forget about my vampire tea. Uh, Stavros, if you're watching, I cannot thank you enough. That's something else that came out of 2023, which was my um, newfound love and connection to vampire tea. And I, I still can't believe that I'm able to um, talk about it every week and drink all these different vampire teas that I have a Fang Smith now. It's just like such an awesome thing. So today's vampire tea is um, Steak This. For anyone that has not heard me talk about this one, this is a great like first time of the day tea or first time of the night. Whenever you rise for your time, uh, whether it be in the night or in the daytime, this is a great tea to start out with. This is a um, green tea and it has rose petals and linden blossoms and orange and lemon. I love this. It's very citrusy and it's very refreshing. And um, for those of you who are who also are not following me on social media, I don't know what you're doing, but I don't know if you can see it, but we now have a vampire bride at the top of the tree. I'll post a picture on YouTube, but really just go follow me on Instagram because you're really missing out. My familiar made me a vampire bride for the top of the tree and I am obsessed with her. I love her so much. So I don't know, maybe I'll just leave the tree up all year. You guys need to tell me what you think I should do with my vampire tree. All right, I'm already getting <laughs> I'm already getting distracted. We are ending this season with a bang. We are not going to do any like any old movie or TV show nay nay. We are going to talk about the real stuff, okay? So let's go back to the real stuff, the stuff that we usually do spooky season. I already need to drink some tea. This is my vampire blood mug, which was a gift from Jeremy and Logan, so thank you guys. Um, we are going to talk about psychic vampires or energy vampires. I'm going to use that term inter uh, intermittently, but they mean the same thing. Also, psi vampires. That is what I uh, tend to use. But um, we are talking about psi vampires. And why? Well, that's because the second half of this episode is actually an interview that I did with Wes Fisher, who wrote a screenplay called The Order of the Ka. And um, 
the link to the screenplay and any of the articles that I reference when I talk about Psy Vampires will be in the description of this episode, along with the link to Vampire Tea. If you have not checked that out, you have time to get some, maybe not before the holidays, but definitely by New Year's. So I did this interview with him. Um, I don't want to give too much away, but psychic vampires play a very big part in the screenplay. So I thought, why don't we talk about that before I just throw the interview at you? So let's do that. Let's do what Lena loves to do, which is talk about the real vampire stuff. And today we are talking about psychic vampires. So also psi vampires or energy vampires. I'm going to use all of those phrases. Again, I tend to use psi vampire in my everyday life, but you can call them whatever you like. And a psychic vampire, for those of you who don't know, is a vampire who feeds off the life force or the energy of a living creature in order to maintain their own life force. So they are using energy or life force instead of blood to nourish themselves. Um, in in uh, real life, uh, in vampire circles, that would be called a sanguine vampire, somebody who uses blood instead of energy. So I will be talking about sanguine vampires and psi vampires. And for the purpose of this episode, we are talking mostly about psi vampires. I want to state clearly, very clearly and slowly so you understand, I am talking about vampires who gain energy sustain themselves off of the life force or energy of another. I am not talking about people with psychological disorders who tend to drain you when they speak to you. And the thing that comes very quickly to the top of my mind would be like borderline personality disorder. If you have somebody in your life who has borderline personality disorder, then you will know what I'm talking about. These are people that interactions with them tend to leave you exhausted. That is not because they are feeding off of you. That has to do with their own mental illness and the way that they interact with other human beings in order to get what they're looking for. That is not the energy vampire I'm talking about. Along with that, we are also not talking about like those people at work that just tend to like talk your ear off for whatever reason they leave you feeling drained or exhausted or depressed this is not what we are talking about. So your Aunt Judy that traps you at family parties and talks your ear off about her dogs and the TV shows she's been watching, that is not what we are talking about. Unless your Aunt Judy happens to be a psi vampire, and that's a discussion that you guys need to have on your own, but that is not what we are talking about. We are talking about true psi vampires, people who are born as, identify as psi vampires. For the purpose of this episode, we will be talking about true psychic vampirism. And so I wanted to, to, to have this for you for a frame of reference. There was an Idaho State professor who studies real vampires, and she defines a psi vampire as an individual who cannot adequately, adequately sustain their own physical, mental, or spiritual well-being without the taking of vital life force energy from other sources. When not feeding, a vampire becomes lethargic, sickly, depressed, and may suffer physically. That is what we are talking about. 
Now, the term itself was really made popular in the 1960s when Anton LaVey published his Satanic Bible, for those of you who aren't familiar with it. Um, he talks about psychic vampires in that, and he talks about psychic vampires as people who find themselves weak, drained of life force, um, and needing to use other people's life forces in order to regain their strength. People who become wane, diseased, sickly when they are not feeding off of another's energy. But people recognized this in themselves long before that term was coined. I'm just saying that that's when the term really hit the mainstream from my own uh, research. Many Psy vampires state that they were born this way. One vampire explained that he first noticed that he drew strength from charged situations, but didn't completely understand yet that he was feeding. So, um, you know, Times Square on New Year's Eve, people in high states of excitement or stress or drama or start these heightened uh, situations, he noticed that he was getting charged off of that, but wasn't fully sure yet what, what that meant. In 2004, a psychic vampire named Michelle Bellinger or Bellinger, who published the Psychic Vampire Codex, explained, among many other things, ways that vampires can feed themselves when they are not sanguine vampires. Two months ago, actually, when I was um, doing all of my research, I stumbled across a YouTube video right here on YouTube with the vampire Jack Townsend, which you guys have heard me talk about him before. Um, he posted a conversation that he had with Bellinger on this very topic. So you, if you want to hear more, and again, I, I want to explain, this is just a tip of the iceberg. I just want to introduce you to the idea so that when you listen to my interview with Wes, you understand kind of what we're talking about. But go check that video out. I can put the link in this if you want. Um, in 2013, there was a Washington Post article by Monica Hess, a psychic vampire in this article named Scarlett, explained her condition as being like an energy deficiency. She noticed in her childhood um, that this was happening where her energy was not like everybody else's. And then she awakened as a vampire in her late teens. Now she has a willing donor like many other vampires. And whether that is a psi vampire or a sanguine vampire, it is the same thing. A vast majority of them have willing donors. But she does note that when she's in a large positive crowd that she is able to feed. So, um, that is always something that you can keep in the back of your mind about energy vampires is that sometimes they are feeding off a situation without even meaning to or intending to. Now, not all psi vampires feed in crowds. Some actually draw their sustenance in the bedroom off of sexual energy. In 2016, there was a study by two ladies named Carrie Coray. I'm sorry if I'm saying that wrong. Carrie and Gray, and they explained that there was a subgroup of psi vampires um, that, um, and I want to, uh, there's a subgroup of psychic vampires, and you have to understand that with all vampires, there tend to be subgroups, was the point I was trying to say, but I didn't say it very well. Anywho, amongst the psychic vampires, there is a subgroup, and this is somebody who needs sexual stimuli, either produced or evoked in order to make the feeding be of value to them, to get a full feeding. 
The study explains there are a few ways to feed. So there's ambient feeding, which involves absorbing energy that surrounds people, either generated by flirtations or indirectly from excessive energy off of like patrons of a club. So if you were in like a BDSM scene, you're in um, a club that has a consenting adults involved in sexual activity that you can sort of feed off of the energy that's around you. Um, just by being in proximity of the donors, and that is ambient feeding. Sexual energy can also be generated remotely by phone or internet chat ses sessions, as some of you may know. Um, most of the vampires that they surveyed in this study claim to derive sexual energy remotely. Of these, a high proportion had at least one regular donor, but it was more common for the vampire to have more than one remote donor. And as with ambient feeding, flirtations were kind of necessary in order to establish or enhance that sexual feed. And intimacy with their remote donor seemed to be necessary. So it's important that they are actually maintaining or creating and maintaining a connection with these donors. Now, contact feeding occurs when physically touching the donor, but does not necessarily involve invasive cuddling or the act itself. Cuddling, which was described as being more emotionally intense with a vampire, is a common practice for these sexual psi vampires. More vampires in the study reported using contact rather than remote feeding methods, seems to be the one that people like the most. Unlike remote feeding, a greater proportion of contact feeders only had one regular donor for this purpose. Ambient, remote, and contact feeding are psychic vampire techniques, but in a sexual context, they usually involve a very specific donor. Then there are more intimate acts of sexual feeding, of course, the act itself. All the vampires in this study indicated that they chose their partners very carefully and were in monogamous relationships with willing donors, with a high proportion of them being married. Most participants describe their relationships as protective, nurturing, and satisfying, claiming that their partners knew that they were vampires and engaged in sexual feeding. So I'm going to give you a link to that study if you want to go check out more of that. Recent studies of all vampires uh, showed that only 17% of living vampires are sanguine vampires, that 31% feed off of energy only, and the rest of them are actually hybrids. So I thought that was interesting. Historically, there was a divide between sanguine and psi vampires. There was a lot of sort of trash talk on both sides. The psi vampires implied that sanguine vampires were beasts, uh, the sanguine vampires implied that energy vampires were not real. So there was a lot of that back and forth. But in the last 20 years, there has been great strides, a big push for unity and allowing everyone a safe place to be themselves, which is what we all crave, right? That's part of what I do on this podcast is trying to bring awareness to what vampires truly are as opposed to what people believe them to be. The Atlanta Vampire Alliance is a prime example of this strive for unity and understanding and becoming a safe space for everybody to truly be themselves. So I want to read this directly from their website. And again, this is the Atlanta Vampire Alliance. 
The mission of the AVA is to promote unity in the greater Atlanta, Georgia, real vampire community while being available to the newly awakened to encourage self-awareness and responsibility. We honor the traditions of history, respect, and discretion regarding community affairs while advocating the safety and well-being of our members. Emphasizing research and support of social gatherings, we highlight the importance of education and strength of involvement as a cohesive force in our area. By taking an active role, we will serve not only ourselves, but also our community and our city. We accept members from both sanguine and psychic backgrounds from the local community. I loved that. When I read it, I was going to I was going to um try and write it in my own words, but I was like, "No, I absolutely love the way that that was written and I love the mission that they are standing for." So, now we have a basic understanding of psi vampires. I would like to share with you the interview that I had with Wes. I would like you to hear him talk about his screenplay, his process, his thoughts on the topic. And like I said, there is a um, link to his screenplay in the description of this video. And then once you're done with the interview, please don't run away. Come back and join me because I want to talk a little bit about my thoughts. So I will see you in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of different uh, avenues that I can start with, but let's um, start with the intro. Okay. Well, yeah. So my name is Wes Fisher. I am a writer, filmmaker, producer here in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I've been doing it for about 13 years now. And, um, you know, writing is kind of my specialty is what I've, you know, fell in line with mostly the screenwriting route. And, um, you know, for the past, you know, for the past year, I was really looking to, you know, explore a genre that was different, had some basis in philosophy. And there was a fellow filmmaker who came to me and approached me and wanted to make a film on vampires. And I'm, and I'm thinking to myself, well, everything is so Americanized. We need to, you know, find, discover some new things about the vampire genre. So I did some searching and digging and lo and behold, came across this wonderful book called The Violet Throne by Louis Marquez um, and other uh, occult books here. Wait a minute, my laptop's giving me updates. <laughs> all right. All right. Yeah. And other, uh, you know, occult works. Um, and so I, I just, you know, started an eight month process of just, you know, reading as much as I could and um, absorbing all that and just coming up with a new way of, you know, exploring the vampire genre. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, anybody who watches or listens to my podcast has heard me say about a thousand times, why can't we have something different? Why can't we have something new? There's stuff out there, but it's it's few and far between. We see a lot of the same rehashings in the vampire genre. So mm -hmm. um, tell us about your screenplay and your vampires. Yeah, so uh, my screenplay is called The Order of the Cough. Now... This is the first uh, edition of it, which I actually, um, you know, kind of got a little backlash for it because I used the sigil of the Asuka, but we have a new one. We have a new edition, second print, who um, one of my directors actually um, created the cover for it. So really cool. He was actually a director, um, well, visual effects artist who worked on Troy and Gladiator. Um, but um, 
Yeah, the order of Yasika is ba basically what I put into light in the script. Um, you know, if you've seen films like Da Vinci Code or Angels and Demons, it kind of takes that route of mystery and philosophy and that approach. Um, how things in you know our culture kind of correlate and kind of cross. I mean, all the different religions and you know, we're all basically trying to tell the same story, I feel. And there's all all these different vampire communities who you know claim to the to be the start of you know specific teachings but really they're all kind of talking about the same thing um so the order of the Ka is is really about ancient egyptian vampires and thousands of years ago in egypt and how um you know the essence of isis is actually asika ascetianism which is like just the study of predatory spiritualism and transformation so um you know it's really fascinating material to work with and the story follows a young collegiate journalist her name is iris and she stumbles across a very secretive order which happens to be the order of the car and in reading pennsylvania of all places some really cool locations there by the way um but yeah and you know it's basically her dealing with you know how people perceive her and how people use each other, um, you know, energy, because there's so much, the world is just like founded upon energy, I feel. And, um, you know, when you spend time with certain people, how they can either drain you or you can feel motivated by a certain group of people. I really cling to that. <laughs> you know, I actually embrace it a lot more too. And, you know, when I was growing up, I, you know, would always from afar observes certain situations or people. So I always saw myself as like an observer, you know? And that's kind of, I guess, psychic vampirism is almost like that, where you're watching a certain group of people or, you know, you're staying away from a certain uh, situation and you're just taking it all in, you know? So you're just, just kind of like, well, you're letting that energy in or you're taking from it or you're giving it. So I really went with that. and you know, in that script. And I'm still learning, like I'm still reading all kinds of stuff about, you know, the occultism and um, psychic vampirism and all that. So there's a lot of stuff out there. So Yeah. So um, <clears throat> it sounds like it's more action than horror. Would you say that's true? Uh, I would say it's a little bit of both. I mean, because there's some horror elements in it, but it's more like a mystery. And I've, I've, like I told some of my other people that I work with in the film community, it's like, if you can get people to believe in an idea, you know, I, I think that can be scary too. And if it's a particular idea, if you can get people to believe something, you know, and that's why, you know, religion and any kind of certain dogma out there, it's all predicated towards that. Um, so it's kind of what I really put into it. Mm -hmm. So tell me about your experience or your involvement with vampires. If we now what the people don't know is we've talked before this mm -hmm. this yeah. is not our first time talking but i thought <laughs> it was interesting that until this project vampires weren't something that were really on your radar no they weren't i was um i was on team werewolf for a while and you know when i my first uh girlfriend she was obsessed with uh twilight you know and i was like uh twilight so we actually went up going to seeing the first movie and i'm like oh man this is so like teen romance driven and 
you know, the, <laughs> the glittery glowing vampires, like, you know, no. So, I mean, I didn't like vampires in the beginning with, so that's why, like, I went more with Team Werewolf and um, Underworld was another movie that, you know, kind of I took in as well. Yeah. That's a good one. It is good. I I, w- I hope they, you know, revisit that. I would love to see another uh, Underworld in the making. But, you know, when I started researching the vampire stuff, that's when I really started like, okay, there's something more to this. I'm going to jump ship and become Team Vampire because I've noticed certain things just, you know, from my upbringing and, you know, certain things that I, how I view life. I was like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of close. It's almost like an undiscovered gift or like power as they say um and i think it's a lot more attractive you know researching this kind of material and realizing it is so much better than like a lot of people cling to marvel and superheroes and all that but you know the more that you put into discovering this kind of stuff you you'll get something out of it i can, I can promise you <laughs> oh yeah listen you're preaching to the choir so you're talking to somebody who's loved vampires since I was six and Mm. you know for a very long time especially growing up in the south where I did being interested in anything considered the occult or supernatural paranormal is very much frowned upon especially in the 80s and 90s so it wasn't always something I was very open and honest about went Mm. into the medical profession Mm. uh, gained a doctorate in in nursing practice and have more fun and and put more energy in, and have learned more about vampires than probably <laughs> anything to do with medicine. So you definitely don't have to explain to me the appeal. What do you think it is? What do you think it is about vampires that has been popular since people were whispering in caves? <laughs> well, you know, quite recently I've also delved into the uh, zombie genre here in Pittsburgh because that's also very popular and I told uh, an actor of mine Mike Ankus who was in Day of the Dead and he was a zombie um, I said you know people cling to the zombie genre because they have that that predatory desire like you know to do it, it's it's the imp- it's like the, the good and bad impulses of you know human nature like you know it, it's that attraction of oh, well, you know, I can do this and be all powerful. And, you know, it's, I think there's just like an escapism there, you know, and <laughs> just an attraction to it. Um, Cause it, it's kind of like, so when I was reading too, you know, the, there's Alan Moore is this one book, uh, The Dark History of the Occult. Um, you know, he proposed that an idea of, you know, God and the devil were just are just constructs of our mind. You know, they're they're basic duality of our, you know, how we perceive things and our nature. So I found that kind of fascinating because you know when I was a kid, I was you know growing up in Christian school and stuff. Like I I went you know I went to Sunday school and I took all that in and I just I felt weird. Like I I would sit there and I'm like I don't know something's like really just not vegging or clicking. You know so. It's not that I'm not a Christian, like, you know, I'm, I'm religious, I guess, to that point, but I always felt there was something more um, to be had. Um, and, you know, I, I'm glad I think I, I found it because <laughs> it explains a lot of the things that I've been through and I've just kind of interacted with people over the years. Um, and just, uh, yeah, like I, I, 
I, whenever I go out, I'm always, you know, I get off just, you know, being around certain people and seeing certain friends and like, you know, they instill being a filmmaker and a writer, any writer out there, you get ideas by being around people, the mm -hmm. more people that you're around, you know, can spark something. And that's kind of, you know, what it's based on really, um, you know, psychic vampirism is not evil per se. It's just, you know, you taking, you know, the ideas and sparking something within your mind to, you know, really just create. I mean, it's about creativity. It's about spiritualism and all that. So, you know, I don't, I don't see it as a, as a dark evil thing. So. <laughs> yeah. I think a lot of people um, understand the concept of, you know, I don't like to be around that person because they just make me feel bad and they have a bad vibe. And I just mm -hmm. felt bad in that situation. And the flip side, like I love being in New Orleans because the energy is so good. Or I love being in New York City because of the energy. And I love feeding off that energy at, at parties mm -hmm. and parades and, right. and things like that. So mm -hmm. I think people can definitely recognize the idea of that sort of energy exchange. Mm -hmm. What do you think it is about energy or psi vampires that makes them stand out from just the normal empathetic human well i mean i think so well, psychic vampirism i think they're like they're really you know i guess the the vampires um they they in a lot of books i've read there's like oh well they're hiding in silence and they're shadowed and they don't want to like speak or come out well and all that information is out there so they they want to make it known that they exist, I think. Um, you know, I work in a lot of venues that have crowds, you know, PPG, the Roxy, and that kind of stuff, around crowds and all that energy and stuff. Um, I think there's, you know, a certain level of care and respect um, within that community. I mean, that's what I see. Um, you know, we're, we're just, psychic vampire, vampires are like initiators of life and you know, um, all that. So, yeah. So what's the next step for the screenplay? I'm going to have the link, uh, to your, to your screenplay on Amazon in the episode description for anyone who wants to go check it out. Um, but what is your hope for the next step? What, where is this headed? Well, I mean, so I'm expand it into a book series. I, I, I do love the works of Dan Brown, Da Vinci Code, Angels and Demons and all that. So I'm really working on expanding the details of it. I actually, I mean, I, when I would write books, like translating them to the screenplay would always be more difficult for me. I find writing a script and then writing the book is actually easier because you can expand on all those details. Where a script, you have to be just like as concise, <laughs> you know, and just get your point across as quickly as you can. So, you know, as I'm reading, continuing to read, I'll just, you know, add in all the details. I'm working on a sequel to it as well, which takes place overseas in Pompeii and um, all that. So, But, you know, from a filmmaker standpoint, I'm working on that zombie thing right now. But um, my goal is to start into a pre-production of it within the next two years. Um, I have a lot of different resources in the indie film community, but, um, you know, I'd like to see this, you know, go to places because I really feel like that there's something there. Mm -hmm. um, and there, there's a response to it. You know, I, when I watched your review of The Last Voyage of the Meter, like, I thought that was great. Like a lot, yeah. you, you saw a lot of things that I didn't really even pick up on. So, 
Well, thank you for that. That's very nice. Yeah, it's it's funny. I've said this before on the podcast, which is, and I have one of those coming up. Um, it will have actually happened the week before this episode drops, which is um, revisiting movies I loved as a teenager and young adult and now revisiting it as a critic and a vampire critic. It's tough because you don't want to break down something you love, but at the same time, you know, I've, I've started this train and now I'm on it, but it sometimes it's hard to be um, critical, but I always say like, I'm not being critical of the filmmakers or the writers. It, the thing I love about vampire genre is you can make it whatever you want to make it. If you want your vampires to sparkle in the sun, go for it. If you want them to be in the daylight, that's fine. If you want them yeah. to be sex gods, that's fine too. That's the joy of the vampire genre. You can do whatever you want with it. That being said, I'm going to watch it and I'm going to break it down and I'm going to talk about the world you've built, not out of disrespect, but out of respect in that the world building is so incredible in this genre. It is. It's very true. There was, a, I don't know if you've seen the film, it's out right now. It's called Saltburn. Mm. Um, director Emerald uh, Fennell. I think that's her name. But um, that very uh, Keegan Kogan, I always forget how to say his last name. But, you know, when I, because I, I review certain movies and that's, been one of the best films I've seen recently, um, just tech, from a technical standpoint, but also in terms of psychic vampirism, it's all, she almost touches on it because there's a line that Barry's character says in one point, he, I think he says he's a vampire and it's only, it makes sense because of his character's tra uh, trajectory through the film by the end, you know, I was really starting to pay attention all the more when I heard that line spoken, I'm like, oh, wow, is, you know, is this actually touching on some of the predatory spiritualism that uh, I've been reading about? Because it's not really known, or I feel like it's not really been explored in the, in the film community in terms of the vampire genre. So, you know, that, that, uh, that got something on me. I'm like, okay, well, there's definitely something here. <laughs> I mean, they, there's a reason they've been popular for so long. And, um, there's a reason that it's it's gone from word of mouth to books to movies to tv mm -hmm. shows you know because it is something um excuse the pun but it's undying and uh i think deep down it's the idea of being able to safely be around danger like kind of toy with the idea of danger but in a safe way um, I think it represents sort of our carnal desires and the things that we're always told to like keep away, but secretly we kind of want to be a part of. And mm -hmm. so I think it's that idea of giving in, giving into desires, giving in, not having to fret about disease or aging or mm -hmm. finances or any of that stuff that we have to worry about as humans it's that idea of like, there is something out there that allows us to tap into our desires, fall into temptation and not worry. And mm -hmm. uh, I think that's what will forever bring people back to the genre. Yeah, I think it's a feeling too of like, you know, it's just evolution and transformation. I think, you know, people on a daily basis just want to feel like they grow every day and move forward. And, you know, even in the, the books that I've been reading like they say like and that's when people exercise you go to the gym it's like you feel rejuvenated it might hurt you know after a couple of days but you still get that you know energy back and you feel like you know you're 
you know, you can take on the world basically. And the, so, yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of different techniques out there that, you know, aid with, you know, the energy uh, construct and everything. So, yeah. I'm going to think about that every time I go work out now. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, you read this kind of stuff and it's like, wow, I never, I'm never going to look at this the same way again. You know? So true. So true. So yeah. will you keep, keep uh, tapping into the vampire culture and genre and, now, what would you say, What? who do you think your your fan base is going to be? Like, these are fans of what type of book, what type of movie, what type of vampire? Well, I think, um, you know, there's definitely a, a growth for the genre, um, you know, because a lot of people, you know, I see some of your vampire stuff back there with the Lost Boys and, and all that. And, um, you know, I, I would say if I had to put a demographic on it, you know, anywhere from 18 to you know, 75, you know, it's, it's such a wide spectrum just because like the, one of the directors I work with, you know, he's really, he's been my mentor for the past seven years and has really gotten my mind more motivated to, to telling stories based in philosophy and mystery and, you know, suspense and all that. So, cause when I, when I first started, I was really attracted to fantasy and coming of age stories, but most more recently I've doing a lot more reading. So and this is the time of year to do it. So, um, yeah, you know, I would say, you know, that, that, that demographic and, um, you know, there's a couple movies out there that if you read the Violet Throne, the beginning of that book actually takes you through some of the history of, you know, how the land of Egypt came to be. You can actually watch Gods of Egypt, um, and actually kind of touches on that with, you know, there, there being four like Isis, Seth, and all that, and her three children, Horace and the two sisters and all that, and kind of touches on that. So there, there's, an, I think I find it fascinating. It's like Greek mythology too. Um, Egypt, Egyptology and Greek mythology are probably my two favorite. <laughs> yeah. Good. That sounds really interesting. I'm going to put the link in the episode description. <clears throat> Is there anything that you want to make sure that you touch on or say before we, before we end the interview? I mean, I would just say like, you know, to uh, any reader or filmmaker out there or vampire lover, you know, just keep on researching, you know, just just because you come across stuff that might seem dark or, you know, they, they tell you, you know, from off the bat, like, you know, take this material, you know, with a keen eye because there's some dark stuff in there and, you know, just keep your mind open to all of it, you know, just don't take it to the extreme because, I mean, I guess I have. I when I when I found out all the vampire stuff, I actually got a tattoo on my left leg, you know, to um because I believe in it so much. But um, what is it? What's the tattoo? It's uh, it's it's an Anubis uh, <laughs> figure with uh, the Ankh and the horse eye. It's yeah. uh, trash polka style. So my my cousin did that, and I'll be getting some other symbolic tattoos on my arm for the sequel that I'm writing. But yeah, I'm just like a lover of all that stuff now when it comes to symbology and all that. So <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, now you've listened to the podcast, you know that I rate people's or the vampire sexiness and onks. <laughs> nice. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. <laughs> well, Wes, thank you so much for doing this with me. Thanks for reaching out. Um, I will get a copy whenever I have time. I'll have to read through it. And um, whenever you start producing, let me know. I can't yeah, wait. On, on same token, I'd love to read Bite Shift and yeah, and your work as well. I'd love to meet you at a at a con event sometime because I know you've been 
going to different places. And I don't know if you're going to the Steel City Con on the 8th or you know, they always have the Steel City Cons here in Pittsburgh. But I know, I know. And actually the Lost Boys will be there, but I had already committed to Nashville. Mm. <laughs> so I'll be in Nashville. And then I'm doing New Orleans in January. And mm. then I will be taking a break until May because I have a fourth book to write. And oh, I yes. can't work two jobs, do a podcast, <laughs> do a YouTube channel, travel every month and write a book. I, something yeah. has to go. So, yeah, I feel that. I feel that like with uh, when you make a film, you know, I mean, you're not done after you make it. You have to put it in the film festival and do all the marketing and all that. And this time of year has just been crazy the past couple of months, you know, doing all the traveling. And so I totally understand. <laughs> I know. I tell people all the time, like the writing the book was the easy part it's the marketing yeah and that's where a lot of people make their mistake I think um the thing I hear the most from people is hey I also wrote a book but it's not selling and I always say well what are you doing and if they're not getting out there and talking to people and promoting and going to events and getting on podcasts and all that stuff then that you know you got to do it and it's tough because a lot of writers are introverts yeah it's true so. well, yeah it's totally true and you know I, I kind of I struggled I'm going to admit it I struggled with that when I was younger like I didn't really I guess I got into the social media game a little late but um you know I started realizing like hey I have to talk about the projects that I'm doing and just constantly if I'm not posting something on social media every day I as a filmmaker feel like I'm failing yeah so I try to post something every day or every other day um and you know is what the screenplay that I wrote is it perfect by no means like I'm going to try to get it better. You know, there's more drafts to be had, but being that it was, you know, selected and published, you know, and it's getting out there, it's a step in the right direction. So there's always room for improvement. So, mm -hmm. yeah. That's awesome. So let, let's end with this. What piece of advice would you give to somebody who write, who wants to write a screenplay? So I would say, um, so I'm going to give you little tips and tricks of the trade that I learned um, from my director in Cleveland. So the easiest way to do it is think about your script like a piece of orchestrated music, you know, beats and valleys, you know, use the, use the seven plot point structure, come up with chapter titles and just print them on a piece of paper and just post them on your wall and kind of map out your story that way. Um, I mean, you don't really need to have, I guess, the software at first, um, you know, just write, just try to write five pages a day. That's what I try to do. I try to read before I go to bed. I try to write when I wake up, you know, clear my mind and then come back to it, you know, working on different genres. So that's awesome. I love it. I yeah. love it. Well, thanks for coming on, Wes. What a good way to end. And what a good way to end. This is the season finale of, of 2023, Ooh. the end of the third <laughs> season, which if you wow. had told me it was going to, I was going to keep this up, I would have laughed in your face, but um, thank you for joining me on the season finale. Can't wait to see what 2024 brings yeah. you and definitely stay in touch and let my podcast listeners know what's going on with your, uh, your work. Yeah, I love it. Definitely will. All and, right, you know, Wes. Yep. No, go care. ahead. Go ahead. You were going to say I just wanted to say, too, like, you know, the different web series, there's a lot of fiction podcasts out there, too. As I'm sure you're aware, there's a lot of there's another writer that I work with who actually wrote some uh, vampire stories and, you know, vampiric tales are can be found on a lot of fiction podcasts. So, you know, you can listen to audiobooks and, you know, really get inspired by some different perspectives. So 
there's all kinds of material out there. <laughs> Very true. And one of the best things about this podcast is stumbling across gems. Yeah. Every once in a while, someone tells me to watch something and I'm like, okay. And I watch it and think, oh my gosh, where was this diamond in the rough? So yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, Wes, thank you so much. And yeah. uh, stay in touch with the podcast listeners. Let us know updates. Okay. And I will, yeah. I will mention it on the episodes as things happen for you. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. <laughs> thank you. See ya. Right. Take care. Bye. That's it. It is a wrap for 2023 and season three of the Beautiful Dead podcast. I cannot thank you all enough for being here with me, for supporting uh, the podcast, the YouTube channel, all of my travels, my books, my dreams for the future. I cannot thank you enough. And if you've been here since the beginning, there are no words to thank you. I still can't believe that I'm getting emails from people all over the world. Um, I have such exciting plans for next year. I want to do a documentary, uh, what it will be about. I will tell you more about when you return in January. I have more guests coming on, more interviews. Um, I want to do more of what you guys want to hear about. I am thrilled to be on this ride with you, but still want to continue to make this the vampire podcast that you would like to see or listen to. So please continue to send me messages. I, I, I'm, I don't have words. I don't have words for what this year has meant to me and the excitement that I have for next year. Please come back January 7th to see us kick off the new year and talk about everything vampire we can look forward to. In the meantime, I hope that you are surrounded by people you love. You're safe, happy, and healthy. Of course, I wish you wicked hugs and bloody kisses. Good evening.